Welcome to SOMA, everyone. My name is Marvin Slayton. I'm one of the elders here and one of the staff pastors. Good seeing you all. Um, if you would tonight, turn in your Bibles to the book of John. Turn your Bibles to the book of John and chapter 7. We're actually going to be in two different places. If we can handle that tonight, we're going to be in two different places. John Chapter 7, verse 37 and 38, and then just one chapter over in John 8, 1 through 11. I've titled this message tonight, Neither Do I. Neither Do I. Um, also, just want to encourage you guys, last week, um, Tony spoke a message on seed time, harvest time, and it was a really, really good message. It's very impactful in my life personally, and I heard other great things about it. So I want to encourage you guys, if you were not here for that, to go back and listen to the podcast. Um, it was a great word, and Tony, you can give me 20 bucks later for that. <laughs> So we're in John chapter 7. Um, before we start reading, I just want to provide a little bit of context for the story. Um, at the beginning of chapter 7, it's talking about uh, the Feast of Tabernacles. So the Jews are in the Feast of Tabernacles. It's in the fall, and that's around seven days. And uh, leading right up to where we're reading here, this is the last day of the Feast of Tabernacles. So if you'll join with me here in John 7, verse 37 and 38. On the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out saying, if anyone thirst, let him come to me and drink. If anyone thirst, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scriptures has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water will flow rivers of living waters. One thing I want you to pay attention to there is the context. He was talking to a group of people, uh, but the, the main people in that group were the religious leaders, the Pharisees and the scribes, okay? So just take note of what he said in that verse. Take note of who he said it to, and we'll come back to it in just a little bit. But for right now, let's jump over to chapter eight. You guys with me? Over to chapter eight, and we'll start reading in verse one, and we'll end up in verse six here. It says, but Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Now early in the morning, he came again into the temple and all of the people came to him and he sat down and taught them. Then the scribes and Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they said to him, teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned, but what do you say? This they said, testing him, that they might have something of which to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger as though he did not hear. Now guys, we've got to, you guys, you guys look at me here. We've got to understand the scene here. I mean, this scene is wild. This scene is bizarre. It's almost unlike anything else, okay? So just the day before, Jesus had been in front of these re religious leaders talking to him. Um, they all go to their homes. Jesus goes um, to the Mount of Olives to pray and prepare for the next day because he knew what was coming, right? So he's prays and prepares for the next day. And then it says, early the next morning, so somewhere between 7 a.m. and 10 a.m., he's in the temple teaching people, okay? He's in the t temple teaching people, and then all of a sudden, the Pharisees, the religious leaders, barge in, they interrupt everything that's going on. Are you guys, are you guys seeing the scene? 
I mean, Jesus in the temple, they barge in, okay, and they're bringing a woman with them, and then they ask him this, they tell him, we caught this woman in the very act of adultery. And then they begin to ask him a question to test him on the Mosaic law. What would you do with this woman? Really, there's two things going on here that we want to look at. Um, The first one is to catch someone in the very act of adultery, you know, it has to make you very suspicious of what was going on. I mean, what was going on there? Um, It leads some scholars to believe that this woman was actually set up. At least some scholars believe this woman was actually set up and, and, and there is a handful who believe that she was actually set up with one of the Pharisees and if not one of the Pharisees, someone that is in, in, in their circle, in their tight-knit circle, that this was a setup. So that's the first thing to know what's going on. The second thing is this, and it's a question is, where's the man? Where's the man? They bring this woman in it and put her in the midst, but... Man, I think it takes two to tango, you know what I'm saying? So where is the man at it? And the short answer is that we don't really know, but obviously there's been a lot of research and time and thought put into this. And um, the thing is, is if they were really actually concerned, if the Pharisees were really actually concerned about following the Mosaic law, which they weren't, okay, they weren't, then they would have known Deuteronomy 22, okay? Deuteronomy 22. In Deuteronomy 22, it covers basically, um, it's, it's a chapter on adultery, and there's basically three things um, it, within the Mosaic law of how they handled adultery, okay? So the first one is this. There's three scenarios. If a woman marries and lies about being a virgin, and it's upsetting to the husband, then if she's found guilty, she would be stoned outside the doors of her father's house, okay? The second one is this. If a man is married and she's found with another man, then they will both be put to death, but it does not specifically say by stoning. And then the third is this. If a woman is betrothed to be married and is found with another man, then both the man and the woman will be brought to the city gate and both will be stoned. So what we can clearly see is that unless it's the first scenario, which I highly doubt that it was the first scenario, then the man needed to be there too. So why wasn't he there? Why wasn't the man there? And it just gives us reason to believe that there was some type of plotting, there was some type of scheming, planning, uh, really uh, that there's a strong possibility that there was a setup. That, that this was set up. But let's keep reading. We'll just kind of tuck that away. That's part of the story. And we went over a little bit, but let's keep reading. So let's pick up in verse seven and then we'll read through verse 11 here in chapter eight. So when they continued asking him, Jesus raised himself up and said to them, he who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. And again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. Then those who heard it, being convicted by their conscience, went out one by one, beginning with the oldest, even to the last. And Jesus was left alone and the woman standing in the midst. When Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, woman, 
Where are the accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? She said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Really the second thing you're looking at here, so it's like, where was the man? But then the obvious next question is, what was Jesus writing in the sand? What was he writing in the sand? And and some of you have maybe studied this or looked into it. And once again, the short answer is no one really knows. But as you dive down deep into it and you begin to research more, um, there's, a, there's a strong handful of scholars um, that I was uh, just really, I was reading into and, and just brought what I feel is a lot of revelation. And um, what's interesting is that it points back to what happened just the day before on the last day of the Feast of Tabernacles when he was before the religious leaders and he said what we read earlier. And I want you to guys to look back there with me. In 37 and 38 of John chapter seven, he says this, pay close attention to the words. I'm going somewhere, I promise. Conspiracy theories, everything. We're gonna unveil it all tonight, all right? <laughs> and Jesus says this, if anyone thirst, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me As the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Some see that Jesus writing in the ground, that his writing in the ground was the fulfillment of Jeremiah 17, 13. It was fulfillment of Jeremiah 17, 13. And at Jeremiah 17, 13, it's talking about Judah's sin and punishment. And it says this, and listen closely. O Lord, the hope of Israel, all who forsake you, all who forsake you shall be ashamed. Those who depart from me shall be written in the earth because they have forsaken the Lord, the fountain of living waters. So guys, could it be in this scene that Jesus was on the ground and he had his hand in the dirt writing and he's writing out Jeremiah seventeen thirteen, and he's writing that scripture out and what's very interesting is it says the oldest left first and then to the youngest till they all left see the oldest would have been the ones who recognized that verse first they're the one that most studied and most familiar with the old covenant they would have been the ones to see it first and they would have realized I don't want any part of this Technically, maybe that's not classified as a messianic prophecy fulfilled, but it's very interesting at the least to look at that and to see, man, was that actually what was going on there? Is that what he was writing in the sand? He had just told him the day before. Same language, Jeremiah seventeen thirteen. You guys can tuck that away. And moving on from that, you know, there's a speculation and there's some research there and uh, some understanding, but there are some things that we do know about this story. And this is what we know. In a short amount of time, this woman, this woman in the story, had been in the midst of lots of different men in very precarious situations, but only one of those men treated her appropriately. Only one of those men treated her appropriately. I believe there are three things that Jesus did for her right there in in that very 
anomalous situation that he does for us each and every day. And the first one is this. He silenced the voice of her accusers. He silenced the voice of her accusers. Revelation 12, 10 says, Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come. For the accuser of the brethren who accused them, them, us, accusing us, who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down, referring to Satan, the devil, the accuser of the brethren who only knows the spewing of lies and accusations to who? To us. You know, we, we all hear these accusations and, and, and really and the lies and really it's on a daily basis. And, 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 you know, they're really more like subtle whispers day in and day out that, that the enemy tries to, to bombard us with. Um, think little things like, you know, you're never going to get ahead in your finances. You know what? You're, you're never going to overcome that in your life. Why are you always making mistakes? No one really likes you. What do you really have to offer those around you? What do you really have to offer? The progression typically goes from us hearing accusation, the lies of the enemy, to believing some of them, then to being discouraged because of them. And guys, once discouragement sets in in our lives, once discouragement sets in in our lives, it becomes really, really difficult to thrive in the Lord. It becomes really hard to be fruitful, to be a blessing, to serve, to love and give. It becomes really, really challenging. You guys know some of my story. Uh, when I was 19 is when I gave my life to the Lord and began running after the God after the Lord with everything I had. And when I was 20, I moved from here in East Texas to, to the Metroplex to the Dallas-Fort Worth area. I moved in late August of 2001. And uh, a couple of weeks later, that event happened called 9-11. And uh, a few days after that, I lost my job um, that I had when I moved up there. And for that age I was at, it was a pretty good job. So I lost my job. At that time, I was also in a relationship. A couple of weeks after I, laced, uh, I lost my job, um, our relationship ended. We broke up. At that time, I also found myself in the middle of a really, really challenging semester in college. I was at a community college there, and uh, I was not doing very well. In fact, I was, I was uh, uh, that was putting it lightly, I, I was making bad grades. Um, I was also at a new church and, and was trying to find friends in a community and all of those things. And on top of that, I lived in an apartment uh, by myself and I was really, really lonely. Anybody ever been lonely? I was lonely. Guys, I was, I was discouraged. I was defeated. And I was relatively new to the Lord and walking it uh, out a relationship with him day in and day out. And one evening I just came home to my apartment and I laid down on the floor and I laid out on my back like this and I just laid my arms out and I began to talk to God. And it was just, why God this? Why God that? Why this? Why this? Blah, 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 blah. You guys ever been there? Why, why is this happening? Why did they? Blah, da, 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 da. And finally I got tired. <laughs> I'm just laid out. 
and it got quiet. And then I felt like I heard the, the voice of the Lord. I know that I heard the voice of the Lord. It's one of the very few times in my life where I felt like it was like the tangible voice of the Lord that I can hear it. And he said these words. He said, Marvin, is my blood that I shed on the cross, is it not good enough for you? Is it not good enough for you? Is my gospel and the good news of what I bring to you, can it not overcome anything you go through in your life? Can my purposes and plans that I have for your life, can they not prevail? And guys, it was, I mean, I was, I was awestruck. I knew it was God. It was kind of that stones of remembrance time that you never forget. And I just replied, I said, yes, God, your blood's good enough. Yes, God, I believe in your gospel and its truth. Yes, God, I believe that your purposes and plans can prevail. Yes, God, yes, God, I believe that you can take me out of this discouragement, out of this defeated place, and you can set my feet in a better place. Yes, God. It wasn't anything magical. It wasn't anything crazy. It was just an encounter with the Lord. Let me tell you guys this. It wasn't too long after that it wasn't too long after that that I got a new job, a job that paid better, that I enjoyed more, working with a friend who was a great encouragement in that season. Um, I was also uh, uh, more established at the church. I had a greater community of friends and uh, people around me. Um, I was in school, and that last semester that I was telling you about, it did not end up good, but the, the, the new semester, uh, it was it was going really good. I enjoyed my teachers. I was making really good grades. I ended up um, making great grades. I mean, uh, it was amazing just the, the turnaround in a very short amount of time. And then um, the other main thing that happened is I had applied to uh, discipleship school and Bible college, and um, I had got accepted. And that is literally what was the stepping stone. It was like the catapult into like the destiny for my life and a huge reason of why I'm even standing before you today. Guys, what did God do? What did God do on my living room floor? He silenced the voice of the accuser in my life. And when he silenced the voice of the accusers, all of a sudden what I heard was him. I heard the truth. And it changed everything. And it changed everything in this woman's life too. Just for further encouragement, 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18 says, therefore we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Can someone say Amen. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. God knows how to silence the enemy and speak to our heart that brings great, great transformation. 
The second thing he did for her was he set her condemned heart free. He set her condemned heart free. The exchange between this woman and Jesus was very brief, but I believe it was one of the more powerful displays of freedom that we will ever see in such a short scene, in such a short dialogue. So we read in the word, it was such a powerful display of freedom. I want you to look back there in verse 10 of John chapter eight. I want everyone to look there. And I wanna read this and I want to let this passage just set in with you. Just these two verses, let it sit in the power of the gospel and the freedom that comes from it. John eight, chapter 10. When Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, woman, where are those accusers of yours? Where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? She said, no one, Lord. No one, Lord. Not one. Not a single person. Not anybody that was here. No one, God, accuses me. None of them are left. No one, Lord. He says, neither do I. Neither do I condemn you. Guys, the presence of the Lord changed everything in her life. It was all bad. In fact, it was awful. And it got even worse really quick in this story. In the presence of one man, changed absolutely everything. I know in a room the size with this many people that condemnation and the struggle with maybe events in the past of our life or maybe even vices or things that we're currently going through, the real uh, they're intense, they're difficult. And um, when condemnation rears its ugly head, it's a very difficult, difficult thing uh, to work through. So I wanna encourage you guys tonight with, with four things, okay? Four things, if you're battling things from your past or your present, I wanna encourage you to do four things if your heart hasn't reached the place of freedom that you know that it should. And this, these are the four things. Number one is this. Talk to the Lord about what you're going through. Lay it all out before him. Seriously, talk to the Lord about what you're going through. Lay everything out before him and then shut up and listen. Be quiet and listen and see what he says. The second thing is read the word and believe his word about the freedom that is in Jesus. Don't just read it, but believe the word about the freedom that is in Jesus. The third thing, this is the step of faith, share it with someone. Share what you're going through with someone. 
and not just someone. Share what you're going through with, with someone who can help you, who can be there for you, who can be a source of encouragement and prayer, a pillar for your life, who can stand with you through hard times. Share it with them. And carry that together. And the last thing is this. Don't give up. Don't give up with what you're working through, with what you're battling through. Don't give up. Persevere. Some things just take extended time to work through or work out. That's just the reality. Some things take extended time. And extended time might look like 5, 10, 15, 20 years. I don't know. It depends on what we're talking about. Things take extended time to work through and work out. Guys, talk to the Lord about it and listen to him. Read and believe his word about his greater freedoms. Share it with someone who can believe with you and help you. And do not give up. (coughs) Persevere. Persevere. Remain steadfast. John 3, 17 says, Jesus did not come into the world to condemn the world, but to save it. He's not come to condemn the world, but to save it. And in verse seven, some of the most powerful words that Jesus said and most famous, he said this, he who is without sin among you, he who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. Guys, there's only one person that was qualified to throw the stone. And he was qualified. But he didn't do it. He did not do it. He saw the bigger picture. He saw the greater plan. And he knew the power of his freedom for her life and for our life. Only one man was qualified and he did not throw the stone. He sets our condemned hearts free. And the third thing is this, he showed her complete mercy. He showed her complete mercy. We know mercy defined as compassion, pity, Forgiveness shown towards someone whom it's within one's power to punish or harm. But I dove in deeper this week to definitions of mercy and especially as they apply to this passage. And I just wanna share this definition of, of mercy with you. And if you're writing things down, I would encourage you to write this down. But mercy is an event to be grateful for an event to be grateful for, especially because its occurrence prevents something unpleasant or provides relief from suffering. Mercy, an event to be grateful for, especially because its occurrence prevents something unpleasant or provides relief from suffering. When Jesus says to her, go and sin no more, he's Concluding that time, it's wrapping up that very short interaction between the two and it's kind of brought to a close there. But really what he's telling her is two things. 
when he says, go and sin no more. He's saying this, I know about your sin. I know about your sin and you need to go and not do it anymore. You need to go and not do it anymore. But what he's also saying is this, I know about something greater than your sin. I know about something greater than your sin. And that's the power of my grace and mercy that's working in your life that you experienced even right now in this situation. I know about your sin and you don't need to do it, but there's something more powerful. First Peter 1 Peter 1.3 says, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by his great mercy that we have been born again because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Now we live with great expectation. <laughs> Now we live with great expectation because of his grace, because of his mercy, because of Jesus Christ, God raising him from the dead. It says now we live with great expectation. What does that mean? It's great expectation in your marriage. It's great expectation with the kids that you're raising. It's great expectations with your job. It's great expectations with your finances. It's great expectations with with your ministry. It's great expectations with your dreams and your destiny and his purpose and his plans. It's great expectations founded on his grace and his mercy. That's why we can have great expectations. You guys stand with me this evening. Lord, I just pray over this this wonderful body tonight, God. I just pray, Lord, that the depths of your truth, Lord, your revelation, God, that brings transformation, God, would deepen in people's heart, Lord. That whatever people are are going through in this room, that they're working through as we work out our salvation daily, they would be encouraged, God. They would be inspired, Lord. They would be strengthened, God. They would have a hunger and um, an increased desire for you and the things of you, God. Lord, just may this seep in further into the very marrow of who they are, God. Your gospel would come more alive in them, God. Lord, I pray strengthened marriages in this room, God. United families. Father, I pray whole people, God. I pray healing and wellness and wholeness over people here, whether it be physically or spiritually or emotionally, God. Wholeness that comes from you, God. And Lord, I pray that as people leave this place, that they would taste your grace and your mercy and your greater levels of freedom that they've never even tasted before, God. And they would find you in the secret place in intimate ways throughout this next week, God. Lord, bless everyone as they go, God. We submit all of this to you and we ask it in great faith, God. We pray you would go above and beyond. Lord, we ask in Jesus' name, amen.